You're listening to the Functional Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Patrick Hester and Tracy Townsend. There's your twofer, Tracy. There's your twofer. Yeah. It's the second time another guest has, has grabbed a Funko Pop bobblehead and started rocking. Yeah. Well, I don't, is it the exact same one? I, I, I think the pose is, wait, wait, you're too close to the camera. Too close back to the camera. Up, up. Nope. nope. It's, it's, yeah, the, same, so it's is, the exact same one. This is actually a first. We have exactly yeah. the same uh, Baby Yoda <laughs> rocking out. Yeah. So I guess we know that we that you are amongst your people, huh, Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. Yeah. You know, I've known this particular guest for a really, really long time. Uh, we run the same circles in the Denver community, in the writer community. We've been to a lot of the same conventions. He, at one point, ran the Denver Area Science Fiction Association. Mm-hmm. I still don't know exactly what dirt they had on him to get him <laughs> to take that job. It was, it was juicy <laughs> stuff, I'm sure. <laughs> but obviously someone somewhere has got some good dirt. Nice. Actually, nice. I, I think I was one of the few who willingly took it, which is <laughs> most time they have to like convince someone. I'm like, it sounds like it'd be a fun thing to do for a while. So, so, so this is one of those episodes where it's just like it's Wow Wow West, and Tracy doesn't know what's going on. Ian, why don't you why don't you tell folks who you are and what you do? So, my name is Ian Brazy Cannon. What do I do? Wow. So, I am a writer, cross genre. I've written a little bit of everything. It seems at this point, I am a filmmaker. Although that, regretfully, I don't do as much as I'd like. Uh, most of the late last stuff I've been doing was with my boys as um, school projects are just fun stuff, the three of us together. And we can get absurd. One of the funniest ones we did. So my youngest son hates peanut butter. I mean, hates it with a passion. So <laughs> Cannot we relate, in, but continue. Yeah. <laughs> we were in Target and they had some holiday candy out, you know, Easter, Valentine's, whatever. And everything was peanut butter. And he was going off on it and then said, well, at least Twix has not done peanut butter. Yeah. yeah bad news for you, boy. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as I told him there are Twix peanut butters out there, he went on this evangelistic <laughs> rant about the evil that is peanut butter. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, chill for a bit. When we get home, we are filming this. <laughs> and so we basically grabbed my oldest son, gave him a camera and said, we're going to just do something. You are filming it. Don't question. <laughs> and so we actually have a film of my youngest son doing the brat. Ah, peanut butter is the devil's word, blah, blah. And me sitting there eating peanut butter going, peanut butter, good. Peanut butter, good. <laughs> so and, the, these boys have grown up in front of me, which is, uh, is just a little crazy. You know, um, they, they have gone from, from children to young men right in front of my eyes. Oh, yeah. And I have to tell you, Ian, it, it, it fucking pisses me off, man. <laughs> uh, uh, all these kids that I know are getting old and they're, they're growing up, they're graduating high school, they're getting married, they're having children uh, when they're supposed to just stay kids. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Uh, you know, like I said, technically I have two adult children now and that just, ugh, so weird. Yeah. <laughs> It, we, uh, it does get a bit. Yeah, I've been I've been wrapping my my brain around that recently because my son uh, is 15 and he just started his first job uh, on a work permit this summer, and um, 
one of the one of the joys of parenting that I've discovered, which has only recently kicked in for me anyway, is somewhere around 12 years old, I have become an intrinsically humiliating person merely <laughs> by my existence. Like if I if I enter a space at the wrong time or if my voice is heard at the wrong time or something, just like it, it doesn't matter how innocuous the, the, the situation appears to be to me. No, I've in fact devastated him on all levels. Um, <laughs> and so one of the areas where my husband and I have joked about um, strategically humiliating our son, but have not in fact quite capitalized on to the extent that we, we theoretically could Um is the is going to the restaurant where he's working to eat, um, and it's not like a McDonald's or something. This is this is like a fast casual sit down sort of place that also does takeout, and um, so it has like actual silverware and real plates made of a real substance, and you know all that sort of stuff. Um, and so we we it's walking distance from our house. We walked to it a little while back and um, sat down to eat inside, and you would have thought that Corwin just wanted to implode into himself <laughs> when he saw us there. Um, he, he doesn't like doing dishes. It's one of the many different jobs they have him do there sometimes, but he was just like furiously scrubbing those plates in the back, like because his alternative would be to look up and possibly catch sight of us. Um, yeah, and then uh, he got his 15-minute break to have a bite to eat, and so they sent him out to the dining room to eat, and he walked right past our table and went to the farthest fucking possible corner of the restaurant away from us, and Deirdre, who is 10, uh, stands up, and she's like, what? <laughs> like, and I'm like, we're right here, and I'm like, honey, no, and then this is 15-minute break from work, and also his 15-minute break from us, apparently. Um but I mean, I really think that the the boy he should be grateful because we could have made it so much worse. I mean, I'm just imagining me going full character actor, walking walking in, being like, "Oh, this place is nice. Oh, look at the decor; it's very ethnic. Um, I do like the plates. These look like from Pier One. I'm gonna take pictures of them for your aunt Karen. I want to send them. She's been looking for something to have on the patio on weekends. Um, like, oh, honey, look at that nice young man doing dishes in the back." He looks like he's working really hard. My husband would be like, his hair is very long. Shouldn't assume his gender. <laughs> Don't assume their gender. It's 2022. And just sort of, we could have done that. But no, no, we didn't because we're, we're not the monsters he fears are, we are. Are, are you familiar with the uh, Cold Stone Creamery? Yes, they have those about here. Yeah. Do you know the thing? Uh, is it the bell? You ring the bell and they're supposed to sing a song or something? Or oh, I didn't, you, I didn't know that. that you, give him a, you give him a tip or something and you ring the bell and they're supposed to sing a song. Oh, that's horrible. And so when my, my cousin's uh, son was working at Cold Stone Creamery, that was the thing the family did. Oh, like, of course The family did. would go to Cold Stone Creamery, put a tip in the jar, ring the bell to get him to have to sing a song. That is that the people who designed that as a practice at Cold Stone are actual monsters. Like that, that's just wrong. <laughs> No, I, I don't embarrass my boys in public, but their friends know me well enough that, yeah, <laughs> we can go to some fun places when they're hanging out. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. That, that's where I generally get the boys. That's where I, especially, yeah. so my oldest uh, has a not quite girlfriend yet. They don't know what she's over <laughs> all the time. And she's awesome. And we just have this weird click, the three of us. And we can go to some really weird places, and she has no problem whatsome whatsoever with uh, embarrassing <laughs> him. The, 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The stuff I've revealed, the stories and everything, she just loves it. It's like, I, I like her. With all this, all, although this chat is fun, I don't want to bury the lead here because, like Ian mentioned, he is a jack of many trades in the world of, of, of geekdom. Um, and you've got projects. You've got, in fact, uh, there's something that just came out at the end of May. Am I correct? Um, yeah. Georgie and her moms? Yeah. So, um, actually, I think the last time I was on with Patrick was way back when, when I did the first um, yep. Georgie and Mons Place novel. Yep. Um, since then, I've done a follow-up novel. I've done... 10 vacation stories, which have all been collected together um, and um, released as a collection. And then one of the things with um, my friends at the Amateur Skeptics podcast, they were saying, you know, talking about me promoting it and trying to market it better. And they said, you need, you know, a a big thing right now is um, gay romance stuff and you need to market it that way. And then it occurred to me that within the novel, there's a three part flashback story called The Courtship of George Armand, which is basically the story about how the two of them met, fell in love, and really formed their relationship. And I, I love to refer to it as um, the When Harry Met Sha- Sally, but with two gay dragons. And instead of ending with a um, New Year's Eve party, it ends with a um, life and death magic battle. <laughs> Seems legit. I, yeah. Unintentionally, I, yeah. I set it up that way. The first story is the two of them met Maybe it connects and maybe not, but, you know, it, it ends with nothing special. And the second one, they meet a second time, and that's when the relationship really forms, and they, you know, a- everything about it solidifies. And then the third one's when, you know, it, it moves to the next level in the aftermath of it all. And so, did you try to did you did you try to license any of the songs from Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> or they just I'm too expensive? I'm not sure how, how you um <laughs> how, how do you put songs in a um book? Uh, there is uh, a way. The background. We, we did have actually a fairly extensive conversation with Max Gladstone about this a few months back, and the short version of it is you kind of don't because it's such a pain in the ass, rights wise. There, there is a way, but it is, it is. You have to jump through a million hoops and pay a lot of Imagine. money. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I, I, I think unless you're Disney, unless you're Disney and you buy the company, then you don't have to pay anybody any <laughs> money. So. I think that's yeah, how that works. Don't quite have that much in my budget. <laughs> Tracy's giving me the look now. She's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's that uh, continuously unfolding business of Disney deciding it has a magical version of purchasing companies where it purchases all of their rights and none of their obligations. But that's yeah. a whole yeah. other wonky you know, thing. The, the, and, and that's one of those regretful things. You know, they have Star Wars, they have Marvel and everything else. And I love those. But yeah, the, the the crap that's been coming out about how they're treating the writers and oh, we we can ignore the contract signed by past um, contributors and mm-hmm. still make money off them. It's like no, that's bull. Come on, yeah, people. Yeah, you know and better. and and if you reach out to us individually, we'll we'll potentially talk to you. But if you if you if you go through this guild stuff, uh, we're ignoring you. It's yeah. yeah I mean, I think. Um, not to get too lost in the weeds here, but I think this is kind of like a cousin of that separating art uh, and the artist conversation where if you discover that a creator has deeply problematic things embedded in them and who they are and the things that they've done, you know, what does that do to your relationship to the work itself? Yeah. This is, I mean, this is a close cousin of that with sort of like, there's, if there's something that you are invested in and love and enjoy, but it's coming from a company whose business practices are toxic what does one do? 
um, yeah, which I guess, you know, is, is something that, um, that's an issue you can answer with a somewhat clearer conscience being, uh, largely the owner operator of your own business as it were. Ian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, do you ever do you ever uh, stand at the mirror and fight yourself over rights? Or <laughs> I haven't gotten to that point yet, but for, I, I think first I'd have to actually make enough money that the rights are relevant. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's, that's one of the big things with being self-published is you know the marketing and stuff. You know, it's all on me, and I am not good at that. Once See, I, uh, I I'll get in trouble, but I'll argue that uh, depending on the level that you're at, traditionally published, uh, you're still doing all your own marketing. Yeah, I, 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 and that's one of the reasons why I decided to do self-published is I figured if I tried to submit it and wait the years and years and years to get feedback to possibly get published and all this, I still would have to do mostly the same stuff. Yeah. The, the only advantage is, oh, they might give me an advance on the book sales. Great. <laughs> But still have to wait how many years to get even to that point. So yep. it was one of these things, what the hell, I'll go and strike out on my own because most likely I will have to put the same effort into it anyways. Well, and as the owner of your own business and the head of your own household, can't you just use child labor to do a lot of the marketing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my, my boys are great when they're helping other people. But if I ask them for the smallest little thing, I'm a slave driver and everything else. So, yeah. Tracy, these are these are the kids that show up everywhere in costumes. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. Like they they even even the non costume conventions they show up in costumes because my Lycon's not really a huge cosplay thing. Yeah. They have the masquerade. They have a few things, but it's not like it's not like a Comic Con kind of cosplay thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But these are the kids that are always dressed. (laughs) Well, tomorrow we're planning on going to My High Comics to meet Ray Parks. Oh, nice. And, oh, that's, that's cool. Um, right now, the youngest is planning on going as a Jedi. Okay. Just well, because he can. We have the costumes. Let's do it. My oldest actually has dressed up as Spider-Man and just walked around um, up at the nearby Belmar shopping area, especially when the Spider-Man moves at the theater. He will walk <laughs> out for the, in front of the theater dressed as Spider-Man when there's um, you know, the opening weekend for a Spider-Man film. And he gets a lot of attention. He loves it. He just, you know, so. <laughs> that that reminds me, they're, they have just announced that they're going to re-release Spider-Man No Way Home in Extended, theaters. Yes. With, huh. uh, it's the more fun version. So they're going to have more of the Spider-Men together. Doing oh, things. so it's basically cut footage. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It's, a, it's a fan, it's a fan version, they said. Uh, so that's going to come out. I don't know if the fans got to vote on what they wanted in there or, or what. Yeah, I don't know either. They, heard they are that. going to be doing that. I, I do have a question for Ian because okay. you uh, – I know that your kids were involved, I think. I'm, I could be wrong. Uh, with Avastrum at one point. They did it one year. They did it one year. Uh, what's going to happen to Avastrum now that Starfest is gone? Um, well, I think Avastrum's you know? been more connected with Mile High Con than Starfest. Cause they, well, they, they did both. They did both so, and they kind of continued the story back and forth. Yeah. Hang on. I'm going to, I'm going to hit the digital pause button here for a moment. Um, <laughs> what Abistrum, what do, do not, so for the benefit of, of listeners and myself, like earnestly don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Ian, do you uh, want to explain what Abistrum is? Uh, well, it got started by a guy who did cosplay professionally. Yeah. 
and he came in. Uh, I, I remember him really well because Mile High Count at one point had a fan guest of honor thing where during the convention you had to get people to vote for you and you would get fan guest of honor by um and get a cake and all this. Well, so this guy shows up one year as I think he was Sirius Black the first time, and that was his persona. He was Sirius. He wasn't doing the fan guest of honor himself. He was doing it as Sirius Black. He won. Next year he comes in with the whole um group the, mm-hmm. the um four friends right the, like is it, these are like yeah. theater theater yeah. theater people yeah. and, Dumbledore's and again, army sort of thing, thing yeah. except for ringtail who was both um part of the group and um on his own as a traitor okay. did a whole okay. big you know it, it, it was part of the um whole show they were doing mm-hmm. uh and they won won that year and I think they came the next year I forget what their thing was but they were doing that and then I, I don't know quite when he merged into this separate thing within the convention, but what is, is a totally. Immersive... It becomes the kids track. It becomes the kids track and it's essentially uh, kids cosplaying Harry Potter. Yeah. You have and the teachers. Doing... So the adults are the teachers. The parents are involved as well. If they want to be uh, everybody dresses up, there's a sorting hat. Uh, there's a story and the thing that used to happen was the story would there'd be a story at Mile High Con and then it would continue at Starfest. So it gave them an opportunity to to also go to the two different conventions here. And but continue it was to like a separate convention within the convention. So you yeah. go to the convention, then you pay a little extra to be part of um Avastrum. Avastrum. Yeah. And like I said, the story plays out, but you're going to classes just like you would at Hogwarts. Yeah. That was the whole idea. But and of course all the houses are Americanized. I I couldn't tell you what they are, but you know, they have four houses with different um creatures and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so they've been doing that um good decade or so now. Yeah, easily. It's really elaborate. Good lord. It is. And yeah. it's and it's been great for bringing kids into the convention, especially uh you know, when parents have they, they they want to come to the convention, but they also want to bring their kids, but their kids are bored. Yeah, right? they don't want to just make everything kid in tow and Right. You know. And they don't want to go to all the kids stuff because then they're bored. They want to go see, you know, Connie Willis talking. Mm-hmm. Uh but the kids don't know who Connie Willis is. Oh, who's the grandma up there? You're like they don't know. And and so this gives the kids something to do. And I, I thought it was brilliant, to be honest with you. And I and I think it's still gonna happen. Uh it's just sad that it won't yeah be a continuing story at multiple cons unless they yeah. figure well, something out. It still could, except for the enough conventions have died out here. It was kind of sad. I, yeah. I noticed that, you know, COVID kind of hit things a bit hard with that. You know, it, it shrunk the conventions quite drastically. Yep. But, yeah. But um, I also don't believe Starfest is dead. I'm part of the group that says someone is going to secure the rights and take it back over. They, they said it was for sale. Someone wanted to buy it. Yeah. In about two or three years, I, I don't see it coming right back, but like I said, two or three years from now, there will be, you know, brand new Starfest under new management. And, you know, so it, it could come back with that, but. I think what you know, we're hearing is a, is a long, slow tease of uh, Ian Brazy Cannon saying that he's going to bring back Starfest. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Not me. I, I'll gladly no, help that's out. That's what I heard. I, that, that's, I just, Yeah. <laughs> Not quite the point where I'm ready to run one of those things. I've helped out <laughs> in different levels at the local conventions. As have I, uh, yeah. So, yeah. No, um, so that's my prediction. Um, in the meantime, um, you know, the local ones, like I said, they'll still be at Mile High Con. They might be able to get a deal with um, WhimsyCon. Um, mm-hmm. 
regretfully in the Denver area, there's not what there used to be. No, but here's here's the thing, and, and the reason, kind of the reason I bring it up, Tracy, I I I honestly believe that it's a brilliant, brilliant way to bring kids into the convention scene and entertain them, yeah. right, and, and give them something to do with other fandoms too. Like you could yeah. do, you could do like you know, the Padawan Academy or something, yeah. or you could do like Starfleet Academy or, you know, obviously it would, you, know, you could do it like a Camp Half-Blood plug-in. Like if you wanted to, if the trouble was that, you know, there there wasn't the raw enthusiasm for a given fandom or something, you could tilt it in another direction and yeah. but use the same basic would, structures. Would the Padawan one always end with Order 66 or? I mean, I think it's probably important to go real old Republic there. Um, so off of that, yeah. um, so my boys actually have been active with Mile Highcon in running young adult. Kids yeah, programs. the kids. Yep. Yeah, I and knew they that. They were well. wanting to do well. Jump back in time. Um, I actually was able to make it to the first three Star Wars celebrations. At Star Wars Celebration three, my oldest was about six. And he got to go on stage and participate in the whole thing of being trained and then dealing with Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And so he's done that. And that's the kind of thing he wants to try and do at Mile High Con this um, coming year. Cool. So while it's not going to be a full on program of that all day, he is wanting to do the, you know, have the kids come up, do some training, be interactive with the lightsabers and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, um, you know, my boys have, especially Quinn, has, <laughs> ah, yeah, I don't have any Vader's in reach, but there's like a half dozen of them here in this room. Definitely. Uh, but yeah, and they, you know they have the costumes and costumes and stuff to do it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I, I just think it's brilliant, and and I've I've mentioned it to other conventions as well because they're always looking for for children's programming, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And what Mile High Con did was there. There's actually two different program directors. Mm-hmm. So there was the the programming director who did all of the adult stuff, and then there was mm-hmm. a kids programming director, and that was Meg. And Meg actually. Uh, took over and now runs the regular quote unquote programming. Uh, I don't know who's running the kids programming at this point. My boys. It is your boys. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they do think they also do the ball, right? The, the big dance. That's the um, Avistrom ball though, right? Yeah. That was done through um, them. That, that, yeah. That wasn't mile high kind that was running that. So, so <laughs> Saturday night, I think it's Saturday night, Saturday night, Tracy, uh, all these kids get to have a dance party. Cool. In a big room <laughs> with the DJ, which yeah. I, again, I just think it's, I just think it's a great way to bring, you know, kids in. And yeah. cause, uh, I do talk about the fact that, uh, we, we do have a graying fandom, mm-hmm. uh, especially at the literary conventions. You, you, there's no problem whatsoever getting kids to go <laughs> to media cons. Right. Yeah. But you, yeah. you try to get them to go to a literary convention. And yeah. it's funny cool. because I didn't I didn't necessarily mean to take us down this road, but I know I know like where Ian is in, within the community and his boys and and, and how uh, connected they are. Uh, and and on top of that, I just got an email from Stephen Arian uh, from from the UK who's mm-hmm. who's you know looking at the convention landscape here and wondering which conventions he should go to. Oh yeah, and and I was like, oh well, you know, it depends on what you want to do, and and you know, and the also the fact that a bunch of conventions are gone, you know, and not just here in Denver and in Colorado. I mean, there's a bunch of conventions that are just gone. Like they yeah. they could not survive COVID. They were probably hanging by a thread, 
even before COVID. Yeah. And then or the ones suddenly, that are that are still in this liminal space where they haven't yes. they haven't committed to coming back physically yeah. yet. Right. Yeah. So it's just an interesting topic to me to to well, kind of see the fandom and, and how things yeah. are going. I grew up with Smile Icon and I was bored mm-hmm. with it as a kid. You know, my, my parents are big into reading everything and meeting the authors, getting autographs, all that. So they went regularly. I didn't get interested in Mile High Con until I was a teenager. And mm-hmm. then it was the gaming. I went there, the, you know, they're 24-hour gaming. Awesome. I'll go. I'll start gaming and stuff. Then, you know, I got interested in the writing and started, you know, going to the writer stuff, listening to the, them, and started writing myself. And so I went to the panels on writing. Mm-hmm. And then I got published. And now I've jumped over it and I'm on the panels. <laughs> so, you know, I, I've done the full-on thing of um, progressing within the convention itself responsible for helping run it at times it seems there's that classic graphic of like linear evolution where we start with sort of like the the lesser apes and then move on up to, <laughs> to, to man yeah. and then sometimes you have the satirical versions where there's something after man which is you know ironic or depressing or something and I, i'm visualizing that as you're talking about your journey <laughs> and and sort of wondering like what the what the icons representing these stages are, um, which is, you know, it's not, a, it's not a good joke for, for radio. So nice job, Townsend. Um, <laughs> hey, you're not the one that keeps, keeps adding toys to the video. So, I mean, yeah, so that that's true. I am better than you, Patrick. Thanks. <laughs> but yeah, I so no, I, I've, I've done the whole evolution of conventions from just casual fit goer to full on participant. And I, I've been in, you know, now that I am so involved, um, you know, I, I've done outside of straight out running it. I've done quite a few different levels yeah. of participation in it. Um, and my boys have grown up fully with it. I mean, they've not missed a mile high con mm-hmm. since they were born. So, you know, they are fully into the, um, <laughs> the whole lifestyle. They love it. It's a second home for them. Every convention is, oh, yeah, this is where I belong. Mm-hmm. I think so, I think yeah. Meg's kids are the same. I think they've yeah. been to every like every mile hike on. I remember I remember one year it was on my birthday and I showed up and they brought me uh, they brought me cupcakes for my birthday. Mm-hmm. The kids. <laughs> so it's it's just funny. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I have been uh, I don't. I don't know if my positions have ever been on the concom. I think I've been concom adjacent when I've helped out with stuff. Like I've helped out with programming. I've helped out with guests. I've, I've done guest liaison one year. That was fun. Uh, one of the guests never responded to my emails about trying to get them, you know, a hotel room and stuff. So they showed up one of the guests oh, of honor, no. they showed up <laughs> with no hotel room. Ooh. And I'm like, you never responded to my email. Like I can't, if, if I don't know your preferences, if I don't know anything like, oh, <laughs> so then we had to scramble and get them a, get them a room. Uh, I also have told this story a million times. You know, I had the, the very, very elderly wife of a very, very elderly guest of honor uh, say, you know, Patrick, you, you're doing great and we just really appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, so I understand that weed is legal here. and i'm going why yes it is and i'm thinking to myself grandma you know because i mean she's in her 80s and she's like well you know where would i go to get some like is there where i said i don't do that i don't know let me find out and ian you're gonna love this i went to rose 
<laughs> and I said, Rose, I have, you know, such and such is wanting one weed. And I don't, I, I don't, I don't know where to go. I don't know anything about this. And she's like, come with me. And we go to the green room. Uh, or no, we went to the concom office adjacent to the green room. And, uh, and she's like, I need to know about weed. Dead silence. Like no one, they're all just like deers and headlights staring at her. And she's like, I've got a guest who wants some. And, I, and they're like, oh, okay. And like someone pulls out an app and says, oh, you go over here. It's like two blocks this way or something. Rose took her. <laughs> and Rose had never been either. And so here's these, here's these two older ladies going in. Concierge. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and I see Rose later on and, uh, cause I, basically I had a panel, so I had to go do the panel and Rose took over and I see Rose later and I said, well, Rose, what was it? And she goes, well, that was an experience. <laughs> <laughs> I had to show my ID. I guess I'm in a database now. <laughs> so there's my there's my fun little awkward awkward mile icon story <laughs> yeah it's sort of a it goes goes in there in the annals of like you know making sure you sort out the brown m&ms and all that kind of thing. although that's a, that's a very different contract writer sort of that's that's actually yeah. how i met jt yeah. i was going i was going uh they i was invited to author fest in Colorado Springs or, or actually Manitou Springs is where it was. And this was the thing where, you know, it was teaching authors marketing was part of it. And so I was coming down there marketing and I made a joke in an email. He said, he said, is there anything we could do for you? And I said, yeah, I prefer green M&Ms and only green M&Ms. I don't like anything else. And I, like, I was joking and I show up and he's got a pound of green M&Ms for me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Little did I know there was a candy store where you could go and just get a single color of M&M. Oh, see, I mean, that's, I mean, (laughs) I'm not going to say that I respect the move any less now, but I, I actually respect the move a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Total lack of sorting. In in the stage where I can make any commands like that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was just teasing, but I thought it was funny. Yeah. Because I've done the same thing with Capricorn. I've said, you know, I need a cannoli, and they never bring me a cannoli. So. <laughs> well, so one of the, my fun little stories right now. Um, I ha- I basically gained a fan because um, I was messing around with Kevin J. Anderson. <laughs> so Kevin J. Anderson put up this post about how him and his grandsons are going to watch um, Godzilla versus King Kong that evening. No spoilers. So I had to be a smartass and said, you are going to love it because Kong confronts Godzilla about his violence and the two of them end up hugging it out, realizing the um, wreckage they've made of their lives up until that point. And just, you know, being a, a truly smartass comment, of course, Kevin comes back and says, I said no spoilers. <laughs> well, so the next day, this guy who's a fan of Kevin J. Anderson um, messages me and says, oh, you know, I, I saw you... Uh, your exchange with Kim Danson, I saw you were a writer. Could you tell me about your writing? Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I'm telling him about my writing. He's like, oh, can I buy some books from you? Yes. <laughs> yes. And, um, you know, signed some books, mailed them out to him the next day. Awesome. He comes back, I love your stuff. This is awesome. You're great. <laughs> and the weird thing is he was making these comments about how he's tried 
to have conversations like this with other writers and they've been rude to him. I'm like, really? I'm sorry, you reach out to me and you tell me your interest in my writings? Yeah, I am going to be polite to you. I am going to just, okay, what, anything you want, I will, you know, talk to you like mad. And so I gained a whole new fan just because I wasn't a jerk to him because he asked me about my writings. Nice. And it was all because I was smart ass to Kevin J. Anderson. (laughs) Well, who isn't? (laughs) (laughs) And now actually, um... So quite often people joke with me. They've done this a few times. Oh, you should do a character based on me. Okay. So <laughs> he is now in the third George Armand novel. He is a character. Nice. And he, I, you know, I even did a bio on him. Cause I, uh, so back a little ways, I, I decided that the best way to keep track of my notes was actually to create my own fan wiki. So there is a Georgia Ramon's Place fan wiki out there that, as far as I know, I'm the only one that uses. <laughs> but it was just a good way to keep track of my notes. Sure. Like, okay, I can have a page on everyone. He has a page now on that wiki of his character with a bio. And um, when I posted that as you know, existing, he's like, oh, my God, I can't believe you did this. It's the most amazing thing. Like, you're welcome. So so this might surprise both of you. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this question of Tracy. Um, I know two other authors who have done the same thing. They have created wikis to maintain their universe. Uh, they don't tell people about them necessarily. They don't advertise them. They don't tell people to go there. But they they have used the wiki software because you can get you can get the wiki software for free, mm-hmm. um, and you can install it on your own server. Uh, I know two other authors have done. Tracy, are you aware of anyone else who's ever done something like that? Like had I a, mean, I a, know of of people who keep like world story bibles, bibles. And universe yeah. bibles and things like that yep. i'm one of them um but i don't know of anybody i mean this is not the same thing that you're talking about there but if i remember correctly isn't one of the authors that comprises the biological superorganism of jess and james essay Corey, formerly um george r. r martin's sort of note taking dude yeah. yeah yeah and so like i i'm aware of people who have assistants who like keep these kinds of records for them but i don't know of like what form those records the assistants create sure. take like if they're fully private or whatnot I, I can't remember who i interviewed it was it was a long time ago but someone who uses scrivener mm-hmm. and had a very complex world and she was telling me that you know she uses scrivener to write the book and then as you have to you put it into word and you send it off to people and then you're doing your edits back and forth with your editor uh, in word usually, mm-hmm. uh, before you, you take your final piece to press. Right. And she would always take the final document and she had a Scrivener world Bible. So she had a separate Scrivener document and mm-hmm. whatever the final draft of the story was, she imported into that document, into that okay. Scrivener piece. So she had all the books in the series had their own little sections in Scrivener. So she could mm-hmm. always search and go through and she had the, the quote unquote Bible there. Yeah. Uh, but I do know two other authors and one of them is JT, by the way, Ian, mm-hmm. uh, who, who created a wiki to, to, to keep track of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always thought that was very interesting. You know, uh, it's a, it's a different way of doing it and it's a nerdy way of doing it as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, if you're going to do that, like nine, nine station alignment chart sort of thing of like, how do you plan like that? People like to do the pantser and plotter thing and like yeah. that. How do you how do you note take in a world bible is it's one of those dynamics yeah I seem to remember reading a story 
a decade or more ago uh, when George R. R. Martin was still writing Game of Thrones and A Song of Ice and Fire, I should say. And uh, something about like he bought the house across the street just to keep I think so as a writing space and also to keep track of everything. Like he had shelves installed and he had little character like figurines for every character in every house. So he had the entire family physically move them to represent who's dead, who's alive. And yeah, all that stuff. I do remember Mm -hmm. that. I don't know if Daniel Abraham had anything to do with that or not, but Mm -hmm. uh, be interesting. So I will continue talking to Ian for the next 20 minutes, unless we want to do picks of the week. What do you, what do you, what do you want to do? I mean, I think picks of the week would be, it's a, it's a right vibe to hit. You think so? Yeah, let's do it. Picks of the week. Indeed. All right. Well, um, I I have a pick this week, which will probably surprise the hell out of everyone because it's a television pick. Um, and as folks who are regular listeners know, I'm generally pretty bad at television. Um, <laughs> this may not cross the Rubicon for a lot of you of becoming good at television, considering what the pick is, but bear with me. Um, so... <laughs> um, I have two kids and Deirdre, who is 10, is like the human embodiment of let's go, let's do it. Um, Like she is she is the action kid. She wants to just like be there in the thick of it with her fists up doing stuff all the time. Um, And so, as you can imagine, a couple of years ago, right before pandemic lockdowns kicked in, uh, she was delighted to discover a game show Floor is Lava on netflix and so she watched the shit out of it god help us <laughs> other longtime listeners know that she is also the queen of rewatching, and so i have seen every episode of the first season of floor is lava <laughs> 10 billion times um and i hate it i hate it lots like the the bloom was very much <laughs> off the rose and basically the reasons i came down to hating it were all of the room maps uh pause for a moment for folks here if somehow you haven't heard of it netflix has a game show called flora's lava uh that until recently had only one season out with like i think 10 ish episodes maybe 12 in it um and the whole premise of it is there is a house that has been flooded with lava. Oh, noes. You have to navigate from point A to point B and to escape the room following traditional kid rules of don't touch the floor because it's completely filled with lava. In this case, it is filled with some kind of nasty ass viscous <laughs> sort of water, um, which well, they have lights underneath. And it, yeah, I, I've watched it, the first few episodes of season two. You can touch it. Well, th- um, I'm getting to that. Yeah. You pull out, you're fine. Right, right. And so like the, the exact rules of Floor's Lava are, are never stated beyond you have to get the maximum number of members of your of your three-person team to the end as possible, and you have to do it faster than the other team. And then, ta-da, you win $10,000, here's a lava lamp, go home. Um, <laughs> the, the rooms over time got very repetitive, and it became pretty clear that there were optimal routes for some rooms versus others. And so you would send your team members through. And once someone identified an optimal route, you just kept trying to send everybody down the same route to the greatest extent that you could. (laughs) Um, And it got to the point where um, it was just super getting boring, not just because of the billion rewatches, but because clearly the contestants had hacked the game as well they should. 
season two of Flora's Lava has hit. And it is my pick of the week because it is, I think, a really good example of there's this almost two-year gap and how long it took for them to release to a, new, to a new season. And in that time, they clearly looked at what happened in the first season and made some smart move changes. Among them are the fact that there are different rooms, thank God. Um, but also they've added this dynamic where the opposing teams can watch each other from a catwalk above the room. And so there's a little bit of meta commentary of the, of the players, instead of being held in quarantine from one another, they see each other compete and they can laugh and trash talk and react and be shocked at one another's exploits and stuff. And now they have these things called, um, Exit passes, where in order to leave the room, each member of your team has to gain an exit pass first, and they're stationed in different areas of the room, which basically forces the team to use the whole room and to take different routes. Because while you could follow your team member on that route, there's no exit pass waiting for you on it because they already have it. So you have to go on the other side of the room anyway. So between these various things and as well as sort of a final stage addition that they've made where there's like a there's a volcano on the roof because we have to have a story here where apparently this is where the lava has been coming from in this strange house this whole time. They've really kind of upped the game on it. It's much more fun. It's much more engaging. And I am managing to watch Floors Lava with my daughter not wanting to poke my eyes out. <laughs> Floor is well, lava. I haven't watched any of season one. So I actually didn't. Know I don't think you need to go backwards. Yeah. I mean, it's you, you could just like you, I guess you could watch if you're curious as to what my gripes really are about. You could watch one episode of it and be like, "Oh, that's what she was talking about." Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but no, I, 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 like I said, I watched the first three, I think, of season two, and I enjoyed it. It was really kind of crazy. Really think like, okay, could I even do that? <laughs> uh, no, it, it's definitely one where you look like, okay, can I do that jump? Would I be able to physically? Mm. Yeah, so some of the, and some of the people are amazing while others i think there was one woman completely confused about what she was doing and just mm. couldn't leave the opening space and it's like uh, that's not good <laughs> as a as a as a complete and utter side note have you have either of you noticed that when netflix adds new episodes to a series mm-hmm that if you click on that, it starts with the new episodes, even if you have, like, even if you left it on a previous season. So as an example, there's a new season of Somebody Somebody Feed Phil. I had not finished the last season. When I clicked on it, it started immediately with the new episodes, and I had to go through the episode vault to find where I had left off previously. I was just curious if you noticed. I I don't think I've thought about it, but, yeah, like I said, with Floyd's Lava... You know, we saw it. Let's jump in. It went right to um, season two, episode one. Yeah. Yeah. My my 10 year old daughter is basically the owner operator of the fire cube controller. So (laughs) I don't know how the Netflix interface works because she's always the one pressing the buttons. So she would probably be like, yes, Patrick, that is true. Um, (laughs) But I have no fucking clue. (laughs) Gotcha. Ian, what's your what's your pick this week? What do you want to tell people? About? Uh, is it that dragon thing that's hanging up above you on your behind you there, or is it something else? He's been like there for forever. He's one of my old friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, my house is uniquely decorated, but um, don't know what I'd pick. You know, give me a TV show, a video game, anything. I mean, I, I enjoyed Miss Marvel. I think that was um. A very well done show. I yeah, I, I agree. I've seen some of the criticism. I don't mind the change. I, I I mean, I've seen some people really get upset because they're not going the Inhuman route. But it's like, yeah, MCU's tried the Inhumans. 
It didn't work. It just hasn't gelled. No. And to get Miss Marvel storyline starts after a big inhuman storyline in the comics, which they could never get around to telling anyways. So you kind of always knew they'd have to go a different route with her storyline. Yeah, the the inhuman thing fell flat because it just feels like a redneck mutant. (laughs) And that just did not go over well with audiences. And with having Black Bolt being in the Multiverse of Madness, there's a hint that, yeah, they might try again to bring him back. God, I hope not. Yeah. We'll we'll see. If anything, just leave him background. Um, (laughs) But no, so with with her self, okay, let's go a different route. There's obviously a story to the bracelet. So stop being impatient and saying, you know, it's just the magic bracelets he found. I can almost guarantee you there's a story to it that will play out and be part of the narrative going forward. And then there was this weird obsession with there's no villain. It's only the first (laughs) episode. Why do we need a villain yet? Yeah. This was getting to know the character, getting her origin, getting a really good glimpse of her life. And that's what you needed for this first episode of a character that a lot of people are unfamiliar with. So So, obviously we're doing a bunch of spoilers here, but I I, I will throw it out that I felt that Ms. Marvel... Aesthetically, it felt like um, the Miles Morales movie, the animated one, uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Aesthetically, it felt like that. There was a lot of bright colors. There was a lot of music going on. It just felt – this was was the Marvel Universe being fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I really liked that. It it also reminded me a little bit of Hawkeye. You know, Hawkeye had some fun. Apparently that wasn't the original plan is what I just read recently. Like they were originally going to go with a darker tone and then they ended up just going fun, which I thought worked better. Uh, but yeah, I just, I thought it was, I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah. But, and like I said, fitting for the character. It's like, yeah. you know, but, and that's one thing. Um, despite weird comments, MCU isn't the same thing over and over again. <laughs> and, and that's one of the things that has actually worked for them. It's like every character gets their different tone, different feel. You know, they're not just trying to make it all dark or all light or everything. Everyone, and they've been really great about making the tone fit the character. Yeah. Uh, I think that's one of the brilliance of them. And Miss Marvel, definitely the tone fits the character. (laughs) And yeah, it's not the adult stuff. It is definitely more um, oriented towards a younger audience. But that doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. No, I think that's what made it fun. Yeah. To be honest with you, it, it was just lighter and brighter and, and like I said, great music and yeah. So that's a great pick. Uh, speaking of Anson Mount, I'm going to, I'm going to pick Star Trek Strange New Worlds. That's my pick <laughs> this week. I've been watching that. I've been enjoying it. I've been enjoying the hell out of it. I, I, I like, uh, I like Rebecca Romaine as number one. I like Ethan Peck. I believe as Spock. I thought he's been doing a great job as Spock. Uh, they've got great characters, great stories, and they're not doing they're not doing the to your point, they're not doing the serious overarching, oh my god, everything's gonna end if we don't do stuff storyline. They're doing monsters of the week, they're doing more episodic pieces. Uh, even Tracy could jump in and watch an episode and not be lost. Yeah. Yeah. I would just need Paramount Plus first. You would need Paramount Plus first, yes. <laughs> but I, I, I think it's been fun. I've, I've enjoyed it quite a bit, and I just, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm a little bit to your, to your point about the, the complaints about Miss Marvel. The complaints about Star Trek: Strange New Worlds to me just, I can't, I can't. 
<laughs> it's no, like it's like, like have you ever watched star trek did you watch star trek yeah. ever in your life you stupid moron <laughs> yeah no, that, that's just, <laughs> fandoms always had a body of the people that want to complain about everything and the internet and youtube have definitely let them shine oh yeah than, you know and oh they drive me crazy i, I i'll watch their videos because i like to know what the arguments are on the other side yeah, sure. And so I, I will very often watch the videos to see. Regretfully, if you watch enough of them, they seem like they're parroting each other, and you do wonder if they don't like get together and say, "Okay, what are we going to bitch about on this episode today?" Because they really do all seem to sync up quite often about what they're complaining about, even yeah. word for word at times. Quite the opposite of your approach, Ian. Over time, I've I've ceased paying any attention to um, folks who I'm getting the vibe that they're complaining for the sake of of, of mm. the noise. Um, or the attention or whatever it is. And I feel like the the best answer that fandom has for people like that is the answer that fandom has always had, uh, but maybe not always used. It's sort of like, how about you go write your own fanfic? Go write a fixfic <laughs> of the way you wish this reboot or this series or this whatever had gone Go, go, go to the interwebs and, and, and write a thing and know that you have taken this great creative power that apparently only you possess and unleash it on the world. Demonstrate to everyone that you were right. Go ahead. I know. I, I, I mean, I say this recognizing that most people who are inclined to bitch in these ways who want to make like a 60 second TikTok uh, reaming out someone for the crime of being black in their Star Wars or whatever else. Um I recognize that they're not going to do that because writing what they think should happen requires real effort. And, you know, people don't stop and slow down to read these things or something. They want to watch a 60 second TikTok that will feed their anger buttons and, and Mm -hmm. validate their, uh, their twitchiness. So, yeah, but I also, I mean, that's the answer we've got, right? Like if that's so important to you that things played out that way, go to this dark corner (laughs) of the web and invent your version of it. The sad thing is, though, they're getting attention. Um, this one guy, I, I'm not even going to mention his name, although his name is ridiculous, and I don't know why. I, I keep going to the um, Garden of the Galaxy taser face jokes with him. Oh, because his name really is that bad. His name is on the level of taser face, where it's like, how do you think, you know, you really think that's a cool name, don't you? Oh, no. <laughs> but he has put out rumors he'll claim they're rumors and you listen to it's like you pretty much made that up because that fits your narrative yeah it gets picked up by all sorts of other things and they people are saying all the best people are saying this this great leak from lucasfilm about them rewriting the whole um prequel trilogy and this is how they're going to do it and everything else and it's like no that's not going to happen you know that's not going to happen why are all these other people picking up what is undeniably a made up load yeah. of BS. Yeah. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a website that is purporting to be a news site that is not. And they do that. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. I, I, one of our patrons actually, Robert was like posting something from there. And I said, you got to take that with a grain of salt because all they do is post rumors. That's all they do. They just, they just post wild stuff. Oh, Kathleen Kennedy has been fired by Lucas. No, she hasn't. You know, it, it, it's the things that they want to happen. Yeah. It's 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 politics in the in the twenty twenties, right? It's if you say it, you can potentially make it happen because if you say it, then it becomes truth. 
It's this weird pyramid scheme kind of logic. Like you gotta manifest your energies. You gotta believe, and then your Atman will do a yeah. thing, and then we'll hook you up to a computer and it will measure the thing that you will Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> I've had intelligent friends that should know better repeating these rumors to me. Yeah. And I have to sit down and break it apart and say, okay, here's the logic. No, they're not redoing the sequel trilogy. They have way too much invested in it already, including whole theme park sections. That's nothing but focused on that. Yeah. They're making tons of money off it. Why in the world would they reboot it? It makes no yeah. sense. And yeah, they're, they're throwing they're throwing the trilogy out. out. It's no longer canon. They're throwing it out. Yeah, no, that's they have yes. too much invested. It's made them the money. I mean that, that's the other dumb thing. I'm sorry. No matter how whatever your views are on what Disney's done with um Star Wars the franchise. Yeah. The the the, the movies themselves have basically repaid Disney for that um, $4.6 billion, I think, or $4.1, something like that. Yeah. That insane investment into the Lucasfilm. The Star Wars movies alone that are supposed to be horrible, no, none of the fans liked that bombed at the box office and shows that the franchise is dead, made most of that money back for them. Yep. The other reality is the the advent of um, short run streaming television series and short seasons and sort of based on that original Netflix model, the the advent of that as a format has revealed that you can take something that has as many problems and is as fraught as say the prequel trilogy, and you can you can use the bone structure of narrative that you got from that to cash cow it 20 years later into here's Obi-Wan and the look, we're bringing back Hayden Christensen. So if there really was, um, you know, such a fraught relationship to the prequel trilogy or the sequel trilogy, um, such that people authentically believed that uh, Disney was ready to cut bait um, and go in a, go in a different creative direction with things entirely. If that really was a thing, the way they would do it is just in five years release a, a short run television series mm. that generates plenty of internet hype, is relatively cheap to produce, and put it out there and make back a ton of money. Like yep. they they figured out that they can take things that were looked at as problematic or sketchy or plot holes in previous material and use it as not even retcon, but as a platform from which to leap into further narrative. So I, I, I don't mean to, to cut this wonderful conversation off, but I'm going to have to cut this wonderful conversation off because believe it or not, we are out of time, Ian. So please tell people where can they find you online? What's your website, your social oh. media, your social security number, all those good things. <laughs> mm -hmm. yep. I'll skip one of those parts. Um, <laughs> you have a Facebook presence, both... Um, Ian Brazy Cannon, author, and Georgia Ramon's place. Georgia Ramon has its own Facebook page. Most of the updates there are done by Georgie himself. Nice. So he's not too busy with the hotel. Um, <laughs> I have an Amazon page. Um, if you really want to find weird stuff on me, you can hunt me down on YouTube. Um, the easiest way, my one of the reasons I go by the my legal last name is because I specifically chose that legal last name because... It's unique, and right now there are only three people in the world with that last name. So if you put Brazy Cannon in any search engine, you're most likely going to find me, then possibly my younger, my youngest son. My, my older one doesn't have quite the presence we do. But, um, so I'm out there, like I said, um, Facebook, YouTube. I do have a Twitter page that I do a little bit with. Wonderful. Well, we appreciate you coming on today. 
Thanks for having me. It's been fun. See you, Ian. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Functional Nerds Podcast. Because I've always partnered with teachers as co-hosts, we have homework for you. Giles and Michelle are kind of cool. They have a podcast called Beyond the Functional Nerd. Oh, hold on. Uh, got a memo coming in here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I guess they call it Beyond the Trope now. I honestly don't know if that's new or what. They even have a website for it, though. Beyondthetrope.com. Their podcast is weekly, just like ours, and they talk with people, just like we do, every Tuesday. So if you listen to us, and then go listen to them, and that is really, really important, you have to do it in that order. It's kind of like a double feature, and double features are cool. So check them out over at Beyond the Functional Ner- uh, sorry, wait, <laughs> sorry, beyondthetrope.com. Yeah, that's it, beyondthetrope.com. Now, if you enjoyed today's episode, or really any of our episodes, there's lots of things you can do to support us and let us know you like these things, okay? A little bit of validation. We love validation. You could go to wherever you listen to our episodes. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever, and give us some stars and reviews. Say something nice about us. You could head over to patreon.com slash functional nerds and toss a couple bucks our way. You could get a supporting or attending membership for Worldcon and nominate us for a Hugo Award in 2023. See, I'm kind of getting ahead of it this time. Uh, It's far too late for 2022, but 2023 is doable. If you need, like, if you have questions, just reach out and, and ask me how that works. And I can, I can explain it to you, Todd. You could buy our books. Tracy's got a couple out there. I've got a novel and some novellas out there. Google that shit, people. That would be awesome. You could stop two random strangers in the street and tell them all about us. Like, just people you're passing as you're walking. Now, <laughs> if you do that, like, uh, make some serious eye contact. Don't, don't blink. Just stare at them right in the eye and tell them to listen to us and why they should. There's probably some stuff I'm forgetting. <laughs> I'm sure Robert will let me know. Or Todd. Mr. Carpiers. You got it right. How about that? Yeah. You can call me Cannoli Joe. Oh, for God's sake. Patrick Louise. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably a good enough signal. (laughs) I'm so excited.